0: Alright, well we've had a good morning already, right? Amen, amen. I, we are starting at, I have 20 minutes to do an hour's worth of preaching. Y'all think I'm going to pull that off? No. You know what that means. Sit tight. Amen. Alright, listen, God is good, isn't He? I want to, uh, we're going to start a series today. And we're going to start this series, basically, today I will be just laying a quick foundation for where we're going You know, this series is more, we like to talk about Jesus the healer, and he is, amen. We like to talk about Jesus the redeemer, he is. We like to talk about all of those things. We like to talk about little things in our life, big things in our life, and all those. But what we miss a lot of times is this one word, and I don't hear it a lot, but it is the truth. Jesus is our liberator, amen. What we got to understand is the reason we're calling this prison break is because Whether we know it or not, we've already been broken out of something. And it's up to us mentally, it's up to us spiritually, it's up to us to get into our soul that we're a free person. And we have to settle over into that. And I'm going to lay a foundation to where we're going. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about all the things we have to get free from. Uh, The most important thing you need to get free from is you. Amen. Then you've got to get free from them. Right? And then you've got to get free from that. And that pretty much covers it all. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about. So if you'll take your Bibles and go to the book of Jeremiah 29, uh, we're going to get there. Jesus has set you free. He has set you free. Amen. And what he's done is he's trying to give you an opportunity to realize the work has already been finished. Now listen, there are things that you will walk in that, that won't be, Listen, we talk about sweatless victory, but that doesn't mean there's not some effort. A lot of times we like to talk in faith, especially in our circles in the word of faith, that, that we just believe God and move on. And that's true. However, there is some effort. That effort is getting your mind lined up. That effort is getting your, your life lined up. You're believing God for things, and God begins to give you instructions. There's never been a time in my life where God didn't tell me to walk into something that it didn't come with an instruction. And you have to walk in the instruction to begin to see your life line up to it. But a lot of times what you're kept from is the ability to walk in that instruction because in your mind, you don't think you have the goods to do it. In your mind, you don't think you, what is God thinking? I, I don't know if I have the right to do that. I don't know if I have the ability to do that. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, amen, say peace, my God, we need that, not of evil, and to give you an expected end. Now, the God's Word translation says it this way, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans for peace and not disaster. A plan to give you a future filled with hope. God's plan is this. And I want to put it in terms. A lot of times we like to talk churchy. But sometimes people just need to hear it straight. And the truth is God's plan for your life, although it is, there is a map involved, there is a blueprint involved, God's plan for your, or your life is what he calls his preferred outcome. And when, it's, when you say the words his preference for your life, you know, I, I, can, I can go on a car lot to pick out a car. And there's the same car with the same options but in four different colors. But the one that I like is my preference. There's many different options but then there's the preferred way to go. See, I'm a firm believer that there's many different ways to go and still be saved. There's many different ways to go and still be in Christ. There's many different ways to go and make it to heaven. Praise the Lord. we got fire policy. But there is that preferred way where everything in your life begins to line up. And things begin to happen that you just didn't see coming. And and although you knew deep down inside you could walk in it, you just didn't know how to get there. And what we've done is we've put ourselves... In a position that we allow the enemy to continue to attack us in our minds because we're not staying focused on a few things. So, I want to talk about those today. When you got to break out of things, you got to break out of a season. I might as well just close that iPad. We got to break out of a season called stuck. I just, uh, y'all were here a few years ago when I preached the series Unstuck. Actually, uh, Juan has been a great help with me on that. We've just taken that and transcribed it. We're going to be turning it into a book very soon. And that is the one series out of all these years, that's the one series that turned this church around because everybody, everybody started to realize, I don't have to live stuck. And when you realize you don't have to live stuck, you realize that you can get free in your marriage. You can get free in your money. You can get free in your mind. You can get free in your relationships. You can get free from all the things that are trying to hold you back. But the only way to do that is to take and deal with the ministry and the battle in front of you and not try to fight the whole battle at once. So what I want to do is, is this. I want to say a few things. I want you to understand, a lot of people get better, but they never get free. I want you all to hear that. A lot of people get better, but they never get free. Now, this is predominant in the church world. Now, I'm laying a foundation today, and we're going to touch on this stuff a little more as we go along. But it's easy to come in and get saved and think everything's going to be. Matter of fact, especially here in the Bible Belt, we tell people all the time if you just give it to Jesus, it'll be all right. That's a lie. That's a lie. You give your life to Jesus, then you have to give a little piece of you every time. You got to begin to break down walls and you got to, you may give your heart to Him, but to be His means that you got to fully surrender. And we talked about surrender last week when we were talking about the courtroom. And I don't have time to go through that because everybody made fun of me raising my hands with a cast on. said, look, I was throwing gang signs or something. So what we got to do is when you completely surrender, you completely engulf yourself into something that's bigger than you. Amen. So what you do is you set yourself up to know that you can get out of something I like to call invisible prisons. But to deal with this, people being better but not free, I want to show you a few things. Go to Acts chapter seven. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to send you to Acts. I'm, go to Exodus. I think one. I think somebody been playing on my iPad. It says, why you keep notes. Verse 7, Exodus 7, 7, and Moses was fourscored seven years old, Aaron and three years. And when they spake unto Pharaoh, and the Lord spake unto Moses uh, unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh. And, and y'all all know this story. And then in verse 10, and Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and they did what the Lord commanded. Verse 11, they also called Pharaoh the wise men. Uh, Pharaoh called the wise men, and they did the same thing. And, and y'all know this story. But what I want to show you is he kept saying, you go. We, we stick with this. Well, Moses was a stutterer. Moses was a stutterer. That's why Aaron had to speak for him. That's not the truth. It's a part of the truth, but it's not the complete truth. The complete truth is that when Moses was still a part of Pharaoh's kingdom, he saw one of the guards beating one of the Hebrews. And he killed that. He killed that. He killed the guard, buried him in the sand. Now, what does that mean to you? That's pretty hot tempered. If you're going to kill somebody and bury him in the sand. So, what I want to say is this. Now, I'm going to use me as an example because, you know, I am a loving, peaceful, wonderful, fuzzy guy now, right? (laughs) Quit laughing. Most of my life, I I have dealt with a a hot lava temper. and (laughs) Thug squad. Um, But what we got to understand is this. Moses made a mark before he was ever the deliverer, and that mark was his anger and frustration and ability to hurt somebody when something went wrong. Now, he made such a mark that when he went before Pharaoh, God wouldn't even let him speak because he didn't want, to be, he didn't want that to be thrown in his face. So he let Aaron speak for him. There was a stutter involved there. But the truth is, is he had outgrown most of that. He had had spent time with God. And now gotta understand, people will say, especially in our world, now I don't know about your world, but in our world, in the Pentecostal world, well, they just need an encounter. They just need to spend time with the Lord. They just need to get with him. They just need to hear Jesus. They just need to have it all if they just get at the altar. Man, he hung out at a burning bush and still had this temper. So you can be better. And not be free. Does this make sense? Well, Pastor, you got to qualify that. Okay, let's do that. We're in Exodus. We're in Exodus, so let's go to Exodus 32. Exodus 32 and 21. Exodus 32 and 21. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that uh, and that thou hast brought great sin upon them? And Aaron said, look, look right here. Look right here. Y'all read this. He said, he'd just come down off the mountain. He just noticed all these people that they done, they done built a golden calf, they're they having a party, they all buck naked and, and having a beer. That's what they're doing. And this is what he says. Aaron says, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. They're already out of Egypt. And he comes down and something's not going quite right. What's the first thing that's said to him? Dude, don't get mad. Because last time you, you killed somebody. You can be better and not be free. So, Moses never dealt with this. He never dealt with what was on the inside. He never really laid it out before the Lord. He just accepted. God, listen to me now, especially those of us called to minister, and all of you are, by the way. We're really good at saying, well, people got healed in the ministry. I've gotten 1,000 people saved this year. I go to Cana and teach once a month. I'm starting my own men's home. I've got a church. We had seven people saved last year. It's easy to talk about what God's doing through us, but we will not allow God to deal with what's in us. Y'all with me? Because what we have to do is see that there's things in us that need to be plucked out. We've created our own cage. We've created our own prison. We've created our own way of doing things. And what we've done is we've made ourselves live a life to where we get some results, but we don't get fully God's preference. Are you with me? Remember those four cars, but then there's the preference. Moses was walking on a path where he was getting results, but he wasn't on the preferred path. Y'all with me? All right, let's deal with this. Forty years later, he's still dealing with anger. Numbers, chapter 20. I want to show you something. See, when I, when I read this stuff about Moses, I feel like I'm reading a, a, an autobiography because of the things I did when I was younger and, and how angry I stayed. Numbers, chapter 20, verse 10. Numbers 20, verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. They were thirsty. They were in the wilderness. They needed something to drink. And Moses was very frustrated with his church. Amen. And he said unto them, Hear now, you rebels. <laughs> Which I completely can get that. Hear now, you rebels. Must we fetch water out of this rock? Now understand, God had told him to go uh, speak to the rock. And water would come out. That's what God had said. But yet Moses says, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand. And with his rod, he did what? He smote the rock twice. And water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and also their beasts. Moses, listen right here. This is why Moses never entered the promised land. Right here. He misrepresented the move of God. And he said this. Must we give you water? He made himself a little part of the source. Oh, I know this ain't shouting stuff, but this is changing stuff. Because when you begin to realize how much of you you put into your ministry, oh, that'll mess with your brain. Because it becomes about you. People ask me all the time, Pastor Alan, Why? Why don't you have people come up and you lay hands on him every Sunday because of this right here? Because I have to do that when he tells me to do it, and when he tells me to do it, I know it's him. But if I do it because I'm trained in Pentecostal movements and know how to lay hands on I've now become the source. And I'm stopping myself from my own promised land by misrepresenting God by saying, we going to pray. Are y'all with me? I, I know this is that kind of message, but y'all just, just hang with me. So what he did is he said, And he said unto them, here now, you rebels, I can't stand you, you're on my nerves. The cows stink, you ain't doing something right, I'm mad at y'all, I hate your guts, I wish you'd all just die. I'm sorry, Lord, I love them. That kind of thing. And then he, instead of dealing with himself, he takes it out on the people and he says, here now, you rebels, must we. Now, here's the beauty of God. Let me tell you the beauty of God. The beauty of God is the water still came out of the rock abundantly. Because God loves his people. And he was not going to let his people die because of one man. But you got to understand, how many times have you hindered your own progress, and yet God's blessing everything else in your life? See, I I have to look at this very, very strong because I'm standing in something. I'm, I'm building something. I'm watching things happen through the Lord, and I have to stand back and realize I didn't do really anything. Although I tried to do everything. Every time I tried to do it, it got worse. And when I was able to just move Alan out of the way, things began to happen. So he said, I'm tired of you people. Matter of fact, he probably would have just been happy if he had got water for himself. Because something inside of him caused him to miss his promised land. Well, Pastor, all he needs was an encounter. I mean, y'all have heard people say that? All he needed was time in God's presence. All he needed... All he needed was a purpose. All he needed was a small group. All he needed was a friend. Oh, if he'd have just come up to the altar. and He hung out with God. But he never, he never got free. Moses was what I call a lion. Now, there's some things I want to talk to you about today. And, and I, I, we're going to go a little over, but y'all just hang with me. I want to lay a foundation to get over into how to get us free. Would you like to be free? I know all y'all ain't perfect, but would you like to get free? See, we're all better, but I want to get free. When I go to Canaan and when I teach these classes, the first thing I teach them is sonship. That's probably what I teach them the most because if they can understand who they are in their identity, they can begin to change. But they're not going to change overnight. They're going to have an encounter. I was a drug addict, had an encounter with God. Everything, I never, I've never drunk Uh, Never drank, smoked, or cussed, or, well, drank or smoked, or done any dope since then. But the truth is, I had an encounter, and it changed the majority of my life. And I was better, but I wasn't free. Now, here's the thing. let, Let me try to talk to you about lions. Somebody's preaching with me over there. I like that. you were designed to live you were designed to live free you were design, designed to live like a king you were designed to live in certain ways now go to ezekiel chapter 19 i got a lot of information i'm trying to get out in a short amount of time but i want you to get this ezekiel 19 uh, verse 5 ezekiel chapter 19 verse 5 now when uh, she saw that she had waited and her hope was lost she took another of the whelps and made him a young lion. She took another one of her cubs. That's what that means. Verse 6. And he went up among the lions, and he became a young lion, and he learned to catch the prey and devoured men. And he knew their desolate palaces, and he laid waste to their cities. He's talking about what a lion did. And the land was desolate, and the fullness thereof by the noise of his roaring, then the nations set against him on every side of providence and spread their net over him. They caught the lion. He was taken to a pit, and they put him inward in chains. And they brought him to the king of Babylon to bring him in holds, that his voice should no more be heard upon the mountains of Israel. The greatest loss for you as a lion or as a king... Is to be silenced. And what the enemy has done, now listen to me, what the enemy has done is taken you as a lion and put you in invisible cages and got you to do a few things and say a few things and accept a few things, which has been your own private prison that you refuse to share with anybody else or you can't seem to get dealt with with him. And you just can't get free, but you're a little better. Now, here's what happens to a lion. When you put a lion in a cage, this is, I, I, was, I was checking out this little documentary about lions. I love anything documentary. It doesn't matter what it is. I love anything documentary. And this is what it says. Lions are amazing creatures, but, but strange things happen to them. Number one, when you put a lion in its cage, it loses its mobility. A lion's range is 100 miles. We, for, for a season, we talked about the prayer of Jabez. We wanted our territory enlarged. The problem is, is we can't have our territory enlarged because we don't understand that we're allowing our terito- territory to be stolen because we're in a cage and we lose our mobility. We lose, we lose our ability to take back the ground that is already ours. A lion gets up every day, and, he, and uh, think about that. He patrols 100 miles. Now, that's, that's from here to Gadsden. That's from here to Moulton. That's from here to Tuscaloosa. He, he's got an area that he takes care that he watches over, that he makes sure that his pride is handled, that everything needs to be taken care of a certain way. But the truth is, the minute that that cage gets in there... His mobility is gone. And that is exactly what happens to Christians. Christians get in there and they're passionate and they're fired up. And this is what I'm going to do. And they come, they, they, they graduate Bible school or they get out of Canaan or they step into their first pasture. And we're going to win the world. And God's called me to do this until a little bump in the road comes and you're reminded of your failure. You're reminded of your past. You may be not doing those things anymore, but you're certainly reminded of those things, and the bars begin to close back in on you. And all of a sudden, your passion begins to go down. And you stop chasing. You stop patrolling. You, start, you, you don't look around and see what needs to be dealt with. You don't see that you're something more powerful than the very thing holding you. Amen. Now, number two. The, the second thing that happens to a lion when they're put into a cage is they lose their desire for pursuit. Now, this one gets me right here. Because... If you, ever, if you ever have been to a zoo during feeding time, which is not something you get to see a lot of, just for pure accidental purposes, but you'll watch a man walk into an area with three or four gigantic cats and just toss food out there. And it'll just lay there, and a man will walk out, and a lion will go over there and get the food and See, he's lost his pursuit. He's lost his passion. But in the wild, listen, in the wild, a lion won't even chase anything it's not hungry for. So like if a lion is resting and an antelope comes walking by and just kicks his foot, hey, what's up, and keeps going, that lion don't care unless there's fear involved, unless there's protection involved. But you let hunger get inside, and you can't outrun that thing. It will haunt you for a hundred-mile circumference and catch you and do God-awful things to you and digest you. (laughs) Right? But you put a lion in a cage, and his passion to pursue goes away. Now, we, we hear flashes of things. We hear, well, This somebody got into the cage and, and a lion attacked somebody. Pastor, I don't believe that's true. Those are fear things. Th- those, are, those are situations where something happens outside of what that big cat's normal, what it's used to, and it startles the cat and things happen. But inevitably, the passion to pursue goes away, which is exactly what happens to a Christian when they start reminding themselves of their failure. When they start reminding themselves, they build a prisoner. It's an invisible prison. You build a prison, and you may be better, but you're not free because you're still dealing with something, and you don't have near the passion to go pray for somebody at the hospital like you used to. You don't have near the passion. You know that the Lord's drawing you to the altar, but you refuse to go up there because somebody might know your business. You refuse to pray for yourself, but you'll pray for somebody else. You are free, you, you won't stand and declare what your life is supposed to look like because somewhere in there you've made yourself think you can't have that anymore. Yet all that's holding you back is something that's created just to keep you in a spot when God has created you to fly. He's created you to own everywhere you put your foot. He's created you not just to take junk, but to take over. He's created you to have dominion everywhere you go. He's created you to have the right words, the right moments. Let me just set you all free. You ain't ever going to be perfect. Amen. But you can be free. Amen. Amen. Now, the, the third thing that happens, there's several things, but the third thing that happens to a lion when they're put in a cage is this. They lose their vision. They lose their vision. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I believe that because when I go and I'm that, I'm that guy banging on the window, they look at me. Well, here's what you don't understand. A lion's vision is 600 times stronger than a human's, which effectually means they can see in the dark. They can see in the dark. Their eyes don't dilate. They can see in the dark just like we see in the daytime. And that is one of the things that begins to go away because they have no use for it. Now, I want to say this, and this is where I want to hang my hat. And I know this has been a fast message today, but this is just a foundational message to get us over into some stuff. If something has 600 times the vision and can see in the dark, it's amazing to me that God calls us lions and has given us the vision to see in dark seasons. But the first time things begin to build that wall around us again, we immediately stop seeing what's really going on in dark times. When we're really given that ability to navigate what's going on around us in a dark season, we just submit to it. Well, Pastor, what what are you talking about, dark seasons? I don't know what it means for you. All I know for Moses, a dark season was that he'd lose his temper and miss the promised land. For some people, a dark season may be Depression. They might get to a point they just don't even want people to talk to them anymore. Some people might have a dark season where they begin to fall back on addiction. Some people maybe may be self-pity. I don't know what your dark night looks like. But for me, I have to deal with the fact that if he's given me the vision, then obviously somewhere I should be able to use this and navigate whatever it is that's holding me back to walk in a new season of my life. We have to get unstuck. We have to get out of this prison. We have to get out of this shell. We have to break out of what he's holding us into. And Satan is only holding you there by words. He only has words. It's all he has. And when he begins to use those words against you and you begin to settle into it, begin to fall for it, begin to let it happen, everything works for you. Now let me say a few things here and then then I'm going to try to I'm going to try to find somewhere to begin to slow down on this thing. John chapter 8. I want to show you something. John chapter 8 verse 31. John chapter 8 verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word and you are my disciples, indeed, you shall know the truth. Amen. And the truth shall make you free. Now Jesus is talking to somebody. He's Listen, he's talking to people. Well, we'll get there. Verse 33, they answered him and said, We are Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. <laughs> As the Roman guard walks by. Are y'all paying attention? Jesus just said, I'll set you free. Jesus, who do you think you're, we, we, we Abraham's fellow. We, well, listen, we have never been in bondage. But yet, Pontius Pilate ran everything. The Roman guards ran everything. They were believing God for a savior to create warfare because they were in bondage. But yet, their pride, their arrogance, and their religion made them say, We're not in bondage to any man. Invisible prisons. Better, but not free. Verse 34. Jesus answered them and said, Verily I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. Next verse. Verse 35. And thou servant abides uh, not in the house forever, but the Son abideth forever. Verse 36. The Son, therefore, shall make you free, and you shall be free indeed, in prison and not recognizing. It's possible for you to be a believer and to be in bondage. Now let me say something. I have a broken hand (laughs) and it's because my own ignorance that's why I have a broken hand Um, but let me explain something to you that was a moment in my life that used to be every day of my life so let me just say this although although it's not something I'll deal with publicly but the truth is when you deal with something randomly that's one thing but if it's chronic if it's almost every other day of your life If you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with, if you're you're, self-loathing, if you're dealing with pornography, if you're dealing with addiction, if you're dealing with hatred, if you're dealing with anger, if you're dealing with frustration, those things are driven by demonic activity. It's one thing to have a moment. It's another thing to have something chronic in your life. Matt Gober used to teach us that if you can't reason with it or you can't stop it out of its chronicness, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. And most people don't want to deal with that today. I preach in some churches. I preach in little churches. I preach in big churches. I preach here, there, and everywhere. And, and here's what they tell me, especially in the bigger churches with the way we're building churches now. And we don't talk about sin. And we don't talk about bondage. And we don't talk about the blood. And I'm like, well, my God, what you want me to talk about, pizza? I mean, those are kind of the things we need to deal with. Well, we talk about Jesus and how much he loves us and yeah, and he gave you his blood. Well, we talk about how, you know, he set us free from bondage. You know, you kind of got help him along. Because you, it amazes me that people will believe in Jesus, but they won't believe his word. Yet he's the word made flesh. Because you don't know who Jesus is if you don't know his word. And it amazes me the amount of churches that can run and shout about something they've never read. And it amazes me the amount of people, especially those of us in the word of faith, that can talk about things we've never encountered. And we talk about all of these things, and we, but we live better but not free. We're not on a preferred path. At least we're on a path. Hey, you're here. Thank God. But I like the preferred path. I like to get in that place. We talk about favor. We talk about things should happen. We talk about things lining up. I love being in that place where things begin. You become a magnet for things, and they just start showing up and happening. When that's going on, you know you've hit something preferred. And what we've done is we've made it, we've made the blessing of God suspect to doing things right. Let me explain something to you. It is not about your behavior. It's about your path. You're going to mess up. I'm just going to set you free. I'm not that pastor that's going to beat you up. I'm just going to tell you. You're going to mess up. It's not an issue that you mess up. It's an issue that you recognize. Is this a mess up and I repent and move forward or is this chronic? Do I need to deal with this? And how... Do you deal with it? I'm going to show you how. Let's 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 deal with this real quick. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to skip ahead a little bit. Luke chapter ten. <clears throat> I'm eleven minutes over. Y'all hang on. If you're hungry, live with it. It's be okay. You're getting food right now. If I don't get this right, the next three messages aren't going to matter. Luke chapter ten. It's Johnny's fault. It's not my fault. He graduated today. <laughs> Means he's buying lunch for everybody, <laughs> or cooking it. He can go cook it. <sighs> anyway, Luke ten, Luke ten seventeen, and this, now understand. Let me, let me, let me, let me clarify this. Jesus. Took seventy of his followers and sent them out and gave them a commission and told them to go out and do all these amazing things in his name. And Luke's uh, ten seventeen, they came back and the seventy returned with joy, saying, "Lord, even the le- listen, even the devils are subject unto us through your name." And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you the power to tread upon uh, serpents and scorpions and all, over, uh, and all over the power of the enemy. And nothing shall any means hurt you. Notwithstanding this. Now, we're going to read the rest of this in just a minute. But let me explain what he's saying. They said, Jesus. Everywhere we went, the demons just came running out. You know what he said? This is how he, this is how he addressed that. He said, yeah, I remember Slightly, this guy named Satan. But like lightning, he was out of heaven. Which ends the battle. There's no big devil and big God. Okay? Then he says, notwithstanding, rejoice. What he's saying to them is this. I, I gave you the power. We had that power in heaven and it's been given to you. That's not a big deal. That should be easy for you. Matter of fact, what he's saying is, don't even pay attention to that power. Just use it. Well, Pastor, I don't understand that. It's real simple. Nobody pays attention to the power in here. We just turn the switch on. We just use it. So Jesus said, don't pay attention to that. Don't get caught up in it. Don't don't live your life being a demon caster out or or guy. It's not what he calls you to be. But he says, notwithstanding, this is how you walk in it. Rejoice. That the Spirit are subject to you. Don't rejoice because you went and commanded them out. Rejoice that he gave you the authority. It's all in perspective. You do have to understand that he gave you an opportunity. They're subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Next verse. In that hour, then he stopped and he did. Listen, 70 people came back. And talked about how they cast out devils. Are you with me? You remember Moses? We give you water. Are you seeing this? Churches all over the world today will say, We got a hundred people saved. And it's all Him. It has to be all Him. And Jesus stops everything, and in that hour, which means right in front of them, He rejoiced in the Spirit. And he said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things. He's saying, You have revealed hidden things. They've seen it, they've experienced, now they need to walk in, rejoicing in you. Now, how do you keep from putting yourself as the source? Rejoice in him. Because without him, all you are is available mud. That's all you are. Now let me show you the let me show you how this progresses. Let me show you. Go to the book of Mark chapter 9. I know we're doing a lot of jumping today, but you're going to thank me for it. I hope so. You do understand that Satan is a good, good, good deceiver. Do you understand that, right? Mark 9, verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, now he was on the Mount of Transfiguration... The great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them and straightway with all the people when they beheld him were greatly amazed they were glowing and running and saluted him and he asked the scribes why question ye with them. And one of the multitude answered said I have brought unto thee my son which has a dumb spirit whosoever he takes he tears him and he foams and he gnashes his teeth and he pines away. He throws himself into the fire. All those things. And he said, I went to your disciples that they should cast them out and they could not. Verse 19. And he answered and he said, oh, faithless generation. This was part of the 70 that just came back bragging. Are y'all following me? You have to look at this chronologically. The, why did they even attempt to cast it out? Because they'd seen it happen before. So within just a matter of a short period of time, all of a sudden they didn't have the authority anymore. And Jesus went from saying, I think it's great that you went and did this, but you, lead to, you need to learn to rejoice to a faithless generation. So then here's the deal. And he said unto them, verse 18... And whoever said, he said, he foams at the mouth and gnashes at the teeth. Verse 19, he answered him and he said, "Faith is generation, how long must I be with you? How long shall I suffer? Then he said, these four words, bring him unto me. That one phrase should be everything the church is about. Amen. Our job is to bring you unto him. Amen. We invite people to church to bring people unto him. We invite people to the altar to bring them unto him. We lay hands on people just to be a transfer." We do the things that we do biblically just because we want to show Him. We want to get free, not just be better, because we want people to see Him. My wife asked me this question. And honestly, it's a very humbling question. And when you're very frustrated and angry, you don't want to hear it. But she will say, what do you think people know you for? That's her question. That's honest, right? That's, That's the question she asked me. Now, years ago, when I first started pastoring, what people knew me for was how mean I was, and I was straight up a jerk. I was. Gathering people from the beginning, say amen. They all See, they all know. But somewhere along the way, I was saved, but then I encountered him. And love got in my heart. I found myself under a desk in the old building, and things changed in my life. I began to fall in love with people. Here's how. Not because I just like people. I don't pastor because I like people. I pastor out of obedience. But I love people because I've learned to ask him, show me how they look to you. Amen? Amen. Satan is a good, good liar. Now listen to this, and then we're going to try to end it right here. He is so good. Listen to me now. Now, I don't glorify the enemy. Home folk, y'all know that. But listen to this. Because he talks to you this way. He's such a good liar that he took a woman who was made in the likeness and image of God and said to her, if you will do this, I'll make you in the likeness and image of God. (laughs) And she said, okay. That's how good he is. Now we can shout about having a dominion and we can shout about being an overcomer and we can shout about rebuking the devil and we can scream and spit and do all the things that we do. But if we don't learn that he is using our own words against us if we don't learn that he's built an invisible prison around us if we don't learn that we're living life in bondage when we were never designed to be fooled this way if we don't understand that our job is to bring people unto him we stay in bondage by doing things our way we stay in bondage by putting just a little bit of us in it i can tell you this And then we're going to try to wrap this thing up. And and I haven't got it all out, so this four-part series just turned into six parts. Praise the Lord. But here's the deal. If you have, just like the lion, the ability to see in dark seasons. If you have, just like Jesus said, the authority to deal with demonic activity. If you have, just like Jesus said. Jesus goes on in that very same text to say... Anything that you believe for can happen in your life. And he also goes on to say, these things go out by, by prayer and by fasting. Now, understand that is not, listen to me with this whole fasting thing. Because what we've done is we've turned fasting into a fad. We've, well, bless God, it's January. we got to fast till February. Praise the Lord. Ooh, we're gearing up for the fast. That is not what fasting was supposed to be. Matter of fact, uh, Dad Hagen says it this way Dad, Dad, I used to love the way he'd say it Dad would say, ask him about fasting Dad Hagen would say, I do it quickly As fast as possible, get it over with Which means you should never be so far away It takes you 21 days to hear him That's what that means These, these kind go without my prayer and by fasting All that means is getting back to the place Where we read, I rejoice in you Father Everything that's happening in my life Is because of you I may not be right in the preferred path, but at least I'm here, Lord. Help me, guide me, put me back on that place where I need to be to see who you are, to see what you're saying, to be able to manage the dark season, to be able to navigate the fear, to be able to navigate the pain, to be able to navigate the hurt, and then through all that to be able to bring people unto you. You do realize ministry is two things. You getting yourself fixed and people watching you. That's really how ministry is. And what we've done is we've turned it into a show. We've turned it into lights, camera, Holy Ghost. When we really just need to get past our brokenness and stop just trying to be better. But accept that we can be free. Praise team, come on up. Church, stand with you. Stand your feet with me. I just want the praise team to come up. Let's let's just worship for a minute. Real quick, as they're moving, I, I know we've kind of jumped around today and and, and things have been a little crazy but here's the thing when we're living life in an invisible prison we're living life focused on the wrong things what happens is this we get so focused on things that don't exist we begin to create the very world we're talking about see I used to deal with things because of the loss of my father. I lost my father at 12 years old. And at 12 years old, I just accepted I was going to have to fight every day of my life. Because for whatever reason, I, I had situations at home. I had people around me. My father was not there to protect me. My mother was working all the time. Somebody had to pay the bills. I was little. And, and I had to deal with situations that marked me. And even after I got saved, and even after I got in Christ, and even after I began to preach and got into the Word, I began to see there's still those marks on me that happened when I was a little bitty boy. My children, and and my younger ones not so much, but my older ones will tell you that until, it's just been a, uh, probably six, seven years ago, that I actually started to enjoy Christmas because I lost my father on December 19th. And and I created my own prison where my kids couldn't see me enjoying it. You understand? See how quickly this stuff works? Because I was saved, but the enemy was telling me I was okay. How amazing is it to realize the enemy was telling you were you were okay and you didn't need to talk to anybody? Let me explain something to you. You gotta get past this devil fiery pitchfork trying to get you devil. No, no, no. He's very subtle, and all he wants is for you to be in a cage that you designed yourself. He's not trying to hurt you. I, I, I'm, I'm tired. Satan's trying to kill you. No, he's not. He's really not. He wants to see you miserable because you are the offspring of God. And, and, and he sees what he could have been in you. So here's the deal as they sing here in just a minute, I want you just to begin to worship. Jesus said, "Don't don't pay no attention to the fact that you can cast out devils. Thank God that you can do it. But this is what you do. Thank you, Father. So today, well, Pastor, are you gonna lay hands on us? No, this is between you and you need to thank Him. I'm tired of being better. I want to be free. Amen. Just lift your hands. Come on. Come on. Just worship. Hold. Just come on. Just worship. The Side like to be better. We're talking about being better and not free, but Pastor Allen, I don't even know what it's like to be better. If you're in this house, nobody's looking around, nobody's paying attention to you, you say, Pastor Allen, I need Jesus in my life. When I count to three, just put your hand up and right back down. One, two, three. All across this place. Alright, no hands. We're all saved in here. Alright, so here's the deal. Everybody look right up here at me. What they just sang is what Jesus said for you to do to be free. They sang the words. Put the words up to that song. You have no rival. Look at this. Look how, I mean, isn't it amazing when a song can preach? Just pick some words, man. (laughs) You have no rival. Listen, listen, look, look at it. There's a key thing here. You have no rival. Now, let me just say this. Now, I, I am. you cut me, I bleed word of faith. I'm just going to tell you that. You, you, you cut me, I'm Pentecostal to the bone. But what we have done is we have gotten so arrogant in our anointings that it's I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. See, we've become a part of the source. I fully believe that God's correcting the path of the church to where it gets back to where he has no right. He has no equal. And it's because of him we get to be free. See, when I stand up here and I look out and I see, especially, I see all the people that God's blessed us with. But what I see the most outside of just what God's called me to do as a pastor, I see Canaanland guys. And see, I don't see Canaanland guys because I see Canaanland guys. I see people that God allowed me to invest in, that God allowed me to go teach, God allowed me to be a part of their life. God allowed me to in, it just impart a little bit of what he's imparted into me but the truth is it's really not about what I'm doing it's about being available and understanding that he is our source he is our complete and total supply he is everything we need we have freedom everybody right here we have freedom you know you can take we talked about the lion I'm going to say this and then we're, we're going to wrap up you know, you can walk into a place where you've had that lion cage for X amount of months, years. You can walk right up to the bars. You can unlock it. You can open that door, and you could leave. And that lion will not walk out of that cage. Because it's created a weird comfort in its own bondage. Christians have created weird comfort. The Bible calls it in the Old Testament, strange fire. We've gotten to where we worship our own worship we shout about our own shouts we bless our own ministries and Jesus himself said don't be so focused on what you did but give him glory forever